Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Nate Martinez with Remax Professionals in Glendale, Arizona. Last year, he closed 155 transactions with a total sales volume of $16 million. His average sales price was $108,000, of which 24% were buyers and 76% were sellers. He operates a team with five members, one transaction manager, three buyer agents, and one team leader. Nate Martinez is the team leader of the Nate Martinez team. He has been an agent for 28 years and sold over 5,000 homes in his career. In his best year, 2010, Nate sold 616 homes worth $68 million. He works the Metro Phoenix market. In this call, Nate talks about selling 34 homes in his first year as a part-time agent. Transitioning back from REO agent to traditional agent. Upsizing, downsizing, and retooling his team. Farming multiple neighborhoods and price ranges with direct mail. High-end, glossy, jumbo-sized, just-listed postcards that work. Cheap mailing cost using the United States Postal Service Every Door Direct Mail. High-end, glossy, personalized, direct mail neighborhood brochures. How to get top quality photos of your listings. Pre-MLS marketing and open houses. Past clients and sphere of influence newsletter. Weekly inspirational email marketing campaign. Working with your spouse and children. Team dynamics, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Nate. Well, thank you, Mike. Nate, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, that's going back quite a long time ago, since that's about 28 years ago. But prior to getting into real estate, uh, my current job at the time was I was in construction. I was a concrete laborer, pouring concrete, uh, helping build high-rise uh, buildings. Very cool. And so what made you decide to get into real estate? Well, my goal was just to be able to make enough money uh, part-time in real estate to maybe add a few things to the household, such as back then was a big screen TV was the motivation. And uh, it wasn't uh, my first year working full-time in real estate. And I say that because I was working 50 to 60 hours pouring concrete a week and working like full-time in real estate. I was able to sell 34 homes that first year, mostly to uh, other construction workers that were on the job site. There you go. You worked your sphere of influence. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I knew I had one. 
<laughs> That's great. So you actually started real estate, quote, part-time, but you, you went after it as though it were full-time, and you were doing two jobs at the same time. You were working, what, 100 hours a week? Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing about it was real estate just came natural to me, you know, and, and I always have a challenge when people have a hard time getting started in real estate because I think my motivation was I was hungry and, uh, I mean, selling a house compared to what I was, you know, if I sold a house, that would be almost equal to a month's worth of pay in the hard labor that I was doing. So it was it was very motivating and very gratifying uh, every time that we had a commission check come through. And uh, I kept that construction job for about two years after getting my license because I had the benefits and I had that uh, that real job, so to speak, kind of that crutch. Uh, it was about two years into it when I finally said, you know, I'm making more money selling real estate part-time than I was working full-time in uh, my construction job. So haven't looked back since. You kind of proved it to yourself. Yeah, I, well, I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a you know, bank account with a lot of money in it. And, uh, uh, and I know when I first went to get my real estate license, my broker mentioned you had to have six months worth of real estate and be able to have time to knock on doors. And I didn't want to knock on doors and I definitely didn't have six months worth of income in my bank account. Sure. Well, let's, let's move back to today. How long have you been in the business now? 28 years. Wow. That's fantastic. And how many homes did you sell last year? Last year was 155. It was kind of a down year as we were transitioning away from the REO business, about $16 million in uh, closed volume. Oh, that's a great down year. What about uh, your best year? How many homes did you sell in your best year? Well, we put, we put north of 650 in escrow that year, but we actually closed uh, 616 transactions in 2010 for about $68 million. Oh, that had to be exciting. Yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was a lot of hard work. How many homes do you think you've sold in your entire career? Well, you know, I, I think we calculated over five thousand transactions in the last twenty-eight years. That's amazing. Well, let's talk about where you're at now. Help us out. You're in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Where is Glendale, Arizona? Glendale is a suburb of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, we're fifteen twenty minutes from Scottsdale. You know, basically Glendale borders Phoenix, so Phoenix is a metropolitan area. I mean, to drive from one side of town to the other, you know, it's an hour, hour and a half nowadays with traffic. So we're a big, uh, big area. What's the population there in Phoenix, the Metroplex? I think it's about three and a half million. Are you from Phoenix? I've lived here since I was six months old, so yes, sir. Describe your current real estate market. Well, the market's changed uh, dramatically over the last six to eight months. Our average price has doubled over the last year, what we're doing. But the overall market is uh, inventory is low and demand is high. you got to remember, we've lost anywhere from 50 to 60% in value when the market turned on us, you know, five, six years ago. And it's climbing back up. We had a 28% January to January increase in the uh, average sales price in, in the Phoenix metropolitan area. And pretty much uh, every month this year, it, it seems we're having increases every single month. So we're on our way back. Uh, so the overall market is, is, is fast, it's furious, multiple offers is not uncommon. Houses being sold prior to getting into MLS is not uncommon. So it's, a, it's another crazy real estate market in Phoenix, Arizona. Do you specialize in any particular type of real estate? 
Are you selling just single-family homes, condos, townhomes, duplexes, investment? What, what type of property are you selling? The ones that pay me. Now, we do, we do everything. <laughs> I, I've had, uh, over the past few years, uh, the pleasure of, of having a Freddie Mac and a Fannie Mae account, and along with several other institutions where I was liquidating the REO properties. I still uh, have a Fannie and Freddie account. It does not account for the, the bulk of our business as much as it did before. And, you know, being in the business for 28 years and helping over 5,000 families, now that people have equity again, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy to pull from, from that, that, that pool of people that have already trusted us before, the referral business, uh, working a sphere of influence, and uh, a geographic farm is bringing our business today. And it's, like I said, I, I have listings right now. I think I got a Freddie Mac uh, yesterday that's probably going to come in around twenty or 30000 and my most expensive home on the market today is $4 million. So quite a range. The $4 million, is that an REO? No, that, that is not a 12,000 square foot uh, custom home. You mentioned in the downturn of the market that you all lost somewhere between 50 and 60% of the value. It's coming back up. Has it come back to where it was before it fell? I would say we're, we're pretty close to where we were before it fell. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we were back to like 1990 pricing on some of the properties. But uh, today the market's been brisk and, and prices, a uh, perfect example, I sold a, a couple, an REO home in Glendale, nice 3,400-square-foot house in 2010. I sold it to them for two fifty-eight. They spent about $10,000, what they told me, over the last couple of years, just kind of updating the house as it went. Uh, we just put in an escrow for three thirty. So that was, uh, what, $72,000 gain in two years. So, so yeah, it, it's back, back to where it was, probably. If you were to look out at the market today, what percentage of the properties being sold do you believe are REO and short sale distressed properties versus traditional equity sales? Well, you know, Mike, a couple of years ago, it was probably 70-80% was exactly what you said, you know, distressed type property. Today, it's probably, you know, less than 20% of our market is, is that. I think we're, I think I just read that 75% of the properties are equity sellers again. So, so maybe 25 REO and short sale combined. And that had been your niche and specialization for several years. And I want to kind of get into that transition of how you went into the REO sales and how you're transitioning back out. There's a lot of agents making one move or the other. So let's try to get into that. For instance, you've been in this for 28 years. Have you always been selling REO properties? Well, you know, I, I did some REO stuff back in the uh, late to early 90s, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Nothing like we experienced uh, over the last five years. When REO came around, I, I did not even want to get involved. I knew the the work, uh, very intense paperwork, capitalization of, of repairs and utilities and the accounting. I truly did not want to go into that space. My business partner, Frank, on the other hand, we own, we own REMAX Professionals together. He was in that space, and he had grown to 100 listings where my listings were, were dwindling because we were running out of equity sellers. You know, with some encouragement, I jumped right into to searching for REO accounts, you know, going back to the lenders I did business with, trying to get contacts, to going to some national conferences, and really trying to educate myself and put myself in a place where I could meet people to be introduced to or, you know, I was basically prospecting uh, banks and uh, asset managers and anybody that uh, would listen 
uh, and, and you know we put a lot of applications in. And you know for our marketplace, you know we're pretty much out of that market now. But other people that are still in that or their market's getting worse, you you have to definitely get online and find the application, you know, uh, from HUD, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Wells Fargo, B of A, whatever, all of them. You need to just start putting in applications and at least making sure that your credentials are in there. And then educating yourself with the different designations that would help you in this uh, specialization. So it sounds like you made the transition to ARIO because the equity sales were just drying up. You were, it was either make the transition or go out of business. Exactly. I mean, that was uh, what I was facing. You know, I went from the previous year to making that decision, selling about 300 homes a year for several years. That was kind of our average to uh, uh, dropping. I think that year was like 124 transactions which was a major drop because you have a team and you have expenses. And in a changing market, as revenues start to dry up, you have to uh, take hold of your expenses. And and sometimes you don't even realize that you're, you're kind of getting to a hole very quickly. So the REO was my way to, to, to survive, and we survived for the uh, last five, six years. And, and the same thing, you know, when, when the market started to change here, we started we started to notice it and started reacting with unfortunately laying off people, cutting back on on you know everything from hours to salaries to whatever just to make sure that we weren't going to put ourselves in too much of a financial bind. You know when you're when you're rocking at 600 plus homes a year, uh, it's pretty easy to get a little sloppy on your on your uh, spending. And when when markets tighten up, you get really sharp on your spending because it's a uh, uh, it's important, right? So uh, we uh, we've downsized. I was running a team of over ten people a couple of years ago to a, to a very small team of of five people right now, and uh, we're very efficient. And the nice thing is, looking at the numbers this morning, we did more volume this year in the first quarter with half a team than we did you know the first quarter of last year with with a team almost twice as big. So it's uh, we're in a more profitable situation first quarter of this year than we were the first quarter of last year. So we're going the right direction again. The properties that you're closing up this year in 2013, are you moving back into the equity properties? Uh, What percentage of those sales were REO? You know, the percentage of REO were probably down to about 30%, but the volume dollar uh, REO is probably, you know, maybe 10 or 15% what we're doing in equity sellers. We've had some really good luck in uh, in homes in the seven eight hundred thousand dollar range. Uh, we've had some good luck in the five hundred thousand dollar range, and and you know so we we have quite a, a wide gamut. You know my net's pretty big, and within our market area that we service, you know I have clients that have million dollar homes, and you know I have clients that have two hundred thousand dollar houses, and we're, and we're helping them sell and and repurchase. And then the REO business is even coming up. I mean, the average REO sales price has probably doubled as well for us in the last year. So just that appreciation and getting prices back up to a stable number has really affected our bottom line, you know, both in volume and, and commissions earned. So it sounds like you've already started that transition back from REO back to traditional equity sales. It sounds like the transition is moving along. You're not uh, well, are you on pace to be where you were before? Are you going to close 300 units uh, this year? You know, I think we'll be just over 200 units this year, but I think our volume, if we can continue with the volume that we have, we did 
eight million dollars, eight point five million dollars in the first, I guess, four months of the year. So that's going to put us way above what we closed last year. We got half the volume in in less than half the year. So we're we're going the right direction. Let's talk more about that transition. There are a lot of agents trying to go from the REO. Their markets are heating up and changing, and they're seeing that they need to transition either to or back to more of the traditional equity sales. Sounds like you're making that transition well. How are you doing that? You mentioned you cut back on your staff. What other changes did you have to make to adapt to this changing market? Well, you know, one thing that we did, Mike, and we learned many, many years ago was keeping a good database of people. So all the people that we've sold over the years have continued to get a monthly newsletter from us in the mail. They also get email a couple times a month as well. But, you know, we've always kept a good database. When we close the transaction, we would just add them to the database and continue marketing to them. That is that has really helped out over the last uh, eight months as the market started to switch. You know, we were helping people with short sales with that same database, and now we're helping people that uh, that actually have equity. The other thing that we uh, we started to do was go back into, believe it or not, doing direct mail into geographic markets. So, you know, years ago, I used to tell people there's about five spokes in any market. There's, I mean, there's five realtors that basically got a good hold on that subdivision or that city, if you will that are doing the lion's share of the business. So they're the ones out there marketing and running the business like a business. Well, because of REO and the way we're so spread out here in the Valley, it was not uncommon for for a listing agent to take a REO listing, you know, 30, 40 miles away into a market that was not their specialty. And in some of these neighborhoods, the only sales that were going on were REO and short sale. So you can see that nobody was doing any marketing for equity sellers over the last four or five years. And most of the subdivisions, there was not one leader. I mean, I I have a subdivision I'm marketing to right now. It's about 2,200 homes. There was not one agent that had more than two transaction sales in the previous 12 months before I started marketing in there. So, you know, we went back in to find areas that we wanted to mark. We we looked at the research. We looked at the data. Very simple, Mike. We just went into MLS, pulled the last 12-month sales for that geographic area, and sorted by uh, listing agent to find out if, where's the competition at. And we found neighborhoods where there was really no dominant realtor there, and so we went in there with aggressive marketing to become that dominant realtor. You know, one of the things about direct marketing where most agents fail is they'll go at it three or four months and maybe don't get the results they want and and then they, they bail out. You know, even myself, at this subdivision I'm talking about, I was about six months into it. I was going to cut back. It wasn't really pulling what I wanted to. It wasn't, wasn't really paying for itself. And all of a sudden this month, in the sixth month of mailing, you know, I've gotten four listing appointments uh, scheduled to the next, you know, I went on one last week that we're getting, another one this week, another one Thursday, another one next week. So, all of a sudden, about that time when I was almost ready to give up, it's starting to pop. So, and, and we've done that in a couple different subdivisions. So some subdivisions that we're getting, and that's why I have a different price point. You know, if I'm marketing to some homes that are in the five, dollars $600,000 range, and I'm marketing to other neighborhoods that have a range between two and 400000 So we're going after different segments uh, because there's different buying and selling patterns in, in each one of those segments. Well, that's kind of interesting. It sounds like the slate 
was wiped clean because of the, the change in the market, all the REOs, the agents going all over the place rather than focusing. And you are now able to capitalize on establishing yourself first in a lot of these neighborhoods. How many of these neighborhoods are you targeting? Well, I'm targeting a, a small area that uh, is up in, in North Peoria and a very small group. There were about 250 uh, pieces I'm mailing out to. Very, very simple, okay? In that market, I've I made, you know, 10 times the amount of money I'm marketing because it's a higher price point and it's a niche. The other subdivision's not working as well, but it's starting to, right? It's starting to heat up right now. And then I'm also doing a luxury. Uh, I'm, I'm focusing marketing in the Northwest Valley into homes that are uh, 4,800 square foot or larger. And so I have a marketing, uh, you know, higher-end marketing piece. But I could tell you pretty much everything that we're doing today is high-quality, high-gloss, UV-finished product. There's a lot of agents that are sending out a lot of direct mail pieces, but ours stand out. I mean, they, they, if you were able to see them, Mike, they, you would be impressed. I know everybody that looks at them. And listing appointments, that they have them in their hand when we walk in the door. You know, the, the call rate right now is amazing. We're getting tons of calls on, on the product. And, and sometimes when we know we have a milling going out, it's like, it's almost like, man, we're going to get 40, 50 calls today, so we got to be ready, you know. So it's uh, it's working. Yeah, do that for us. Describe what you are sending out to the people in your farm. Sounds like you're sending a postcard. Okay, well, one, we got an 8.5 by 11, and we'll call it a four-sided piece. So I'm looking at one right now. So if you're looking at it, it looks like it's 8.5 by 11, but it's actually a, a four-sided, like a magazine, if you will. But it's just four pieces. So I guess it's 11 by 17, folded in half, cardstock, high gloss kind of targets two things. One, it's that piece is targeting a market that is very direct. Every piece is going to have the homeowner's name embedded in the piece in, in several locations, you know, by technology today. Those, those are printed off one at a time by, you know, a, a printing company, right? But they do that interactive uh, uh, printing where they can mail merge, if you will, the people's name within the piece. So they're getting the piece. It's, it's information about just their neighborhood. And and by targeting just their neighborhood, if we're targeting homeowners that have houses in the $500,000 range, but they might be part of a bigger community, a bigger master plan, that piece that they're getting is only talking about maybe their subdivision within that big master plan, where a lot of other people might be sending the same piece to $100,000 home sellers as well as 500000 we have a different piece targeted for that exact price band, if you will. Okay? And we give information in it. That's a monthly piece. That's giving uh, information on what's for sale in the area, what's pending, what's sold, kind of just keeping them informed of exactly what's going on in their neighborhood. A little bit of uh, editorial in there, and then also on the back page, we're, we're highlighting the houses that we have listing. And so, you know, photographs of the property and then the verbiage just to create the call. And we're using all the different tools on there. We're using some IVR capture where they'll call into a 800 number to get information. And then we call capture the uh, the caller's information, you know. And that's something we've been doing off and on for 15 years, I guess, since that stuff has been invented. But we still utilize that within that piece. Another thing we're doing is 
a little bit more cost effective is we're doing every door direct and that's through the U.S. Postal Service and, and this is really coming on strong and again this is where a lot of agents are are sending out a lot of low quality pieces. My uh, every door direct piece is an 11 by 17 full glossy color piece and that is of a listing. For instance, uh, we list a house in, in Arrowhead Ranch here in a, in a subdivision called Arrowhead Lakes. Very desirable neighborhood. So we'll take this 8.5 by 11 postcard, and it's all about the house. And very little about, about me. We have no price on, on the piece because the price could change. And we'll print 5,000 of these, and then we'll send them out through Every Door Direct. Every Door Direct is approximately about $0.15 cents per piece. You don't have to label them. These ones are not personalized like the other piece I spoke about, but this is all personalized on the property. Um, and what we'll do is, like, we'll list a property. Before we put in MLS, we'll get all the marketing done. We'll send out the 5,000 postcards. We'll generate a buzz. We'll have a, a listing prior to going to MLS. We did that this weekend. I had eight realtors through. I've had two realtors bring buyers back, and we're not even in MLS. We're hoping to get an offer uh, and the agent will get their full commission, you know, so we're just, because of the market, because of the buzz we're in, we're just trying to do something a little different. But that is the piece that is, is different, that nobody can really do it in my marketplace. And, again, when you mail out 5,000 pieces on one house and you take, you know, simple as a listing a week and you do that same 5,000 pieces over and over again every single week, you know, people start to call you. And that's what's happening right now. Wow, okay. And that's what I want everybody to say is, wow, <laughs> when they pick it up. And I, and I ask them, like, you know, and we got the printing down on this stuff to a science now, and uh, most people will hold that postcard in their hand. I think it costs about a dollar, a dollar and a half to get from design to print to to the front door, if you will, to their mailbox because they're mailed to the house. Uh, we're, we're probably hitting doors for about 30 to 35 cents a piece right now, design work, printing, and, and delivery. So we're able to reach more people with high-quality quali stuff. Let's break some of that down. So this, this second card, uh, it sounds to me like a, a very fancy just-listed card. It, the whole thing is just one property, correct? One property, uh-huh. So it is. It's ju a just-listed card. It's just listed card, the front of the house. Uh, and again, it all becomes, uh, we start with professional photography. We hire a professional photographer to capture the house. We like to do the sunset. You know, when the, when the sun's setting, the light is just right. You know, w with technology today and these cameras, they can really grab some great photography. So we never take photos ourselves anymore. You know, we hire that out. You know, like my photographer will go and, uh, on a house, you know, $500,000 house. He'll spend about two to three hours there just kind of capturing, you know, lighting up the house at night, gets there before the sun sets and gets some daylight shots, and then we get the sunset shots. And at the end of the day, he's he's probably taken 300 photos of this property. And then he gives me about 65, the 65 best ones. We create, uh, you know, of course, the virtual tours and stuff with that stuff and photos for all the online stuff. But basically... We're going to pick about seven, eight photos, uh, the best photos, the money shots, as I call them. And on one side of the postcard is going to be the best photo. That's the one that really just was a wow. And on the back side, it's going to probably have, uh, oh, probably about the, the top third is going to be kind of a wide-angle shot of maybe the backyard pool setting. And then and there's probably 
six to nine inset photos there of maybe interior shots or the barbecue or whatever, whatever looks good. And that's the piece, you know, and uh, it has my little picture, my mugshot on both sides and, you know, contact information. But again, there's no price and they have to, and what's highlighted is that they're calling into our, our call capture system. So, you know, they, my phone number's on there, but it's small. But, you know, if they want information, 24 hours a day, seven days a week type of ad, it, they're, they're calling that number. And, and they're able to call transfer to us. But the main thing what we're trying to do is we're, we're, we're building our database. We're getting people to call in. For instance, the last mailing, we had 61 people that we had their names and numbers, and we called those people and invited them to the open house on Sunday. I was only going to do a one-hour open house. I learned this from my friend Albert in uh, Glendale, California. He taught me this concept, and he kind of rules it over there. I tell you, it works. So uh, implementation is the key to anything we learn in real estate. The faster you can implement it, the ideas you learn, the better your results will be. And it's just taken off. I mean, it's it's overwhelming right now and how much activity. And it's kind of like the old days when we were selling 300 homes a year. It was always busy. And when we were selling REO, it was different because, Mike, we were almost, I hate to say it, like a crackhead in the morning. You'd pick up your phone to see how many listings Fannie or Freddie or somebody sent you. And you knew how your day was going to be when you first turned on your phone in the morning because you had your assignments for the day. You didn't talk to, you didn't go out and have to pitch at listing appointments and so forth. Oh, and by the way, when you're switching markets, all the stuff you did five or six years ago kind of works, but maybe it's outdated. You have to get back in there and redesign and you even have to practice again. You have to practice some scripts and dialogues because if you haven't been in a listing appointment competing, you know, you forget some of the objections like, hey, will you do it for less money? And, you know, and, you know, people are always looking for a better commission, you know, and uh, you got to be ready for all the objections a seller has or you get to the appointment and, and you may stumble through. But uh, we, we're kind of just still redesigning ourselves and redesigning our marketing and that's changing you know, we're improving it daily, I guess, is, is the key. I want to ask a couple more questions about these cards that you're sending out. First of all, you said you have a professional photographer. That sounds really smart. Is they're going out there for two to three hours between the early evening when it's still light out into the evening. How much are they charging for something like that? You know, I don't need to be charged enough, to be quite honest with you. But, uh, I mean, because the guy spends about two to three hours and he charges me about 300 bucks. And he goes through and edits, you know, some of them, but most of them are just perfect shots. And again, if you look at MLS, the average agent out there puts, you know, half a dozen photos, probably either takes them with their iPhone or a regular little Instamatic. Maybe they don't have the wide-angle coverage you need. I mean, wide-angle photography. I mean, you take a picture of a kitchen with, you know, an iPhone as an example, as opposed to a a wide-angle lens. All of a sudden, you have a room that looks twice as big online than it than it does. So, you know, online traffic, you've got to be able to stop that consumer, get them clicking through your pictures. That's what they want to see. If your online visibility is not strong, and I'm talking Zillow, Trillia, Realtor.com, your website, MLS, you want the best quality photos there. And again, that's something I've kind of just started to trademark. One of the things that Albert taught me is, uh, again, think about this, we're in the desert. So every one of my photo shoots, we completely flood, if you will, all the hard surfaces. So we'll get out there and we're going to hose down the driveways, the sidewalks, the, the 
cool decking around the pool, and it looks it has this wet look, and uh, it looks like it just rained. Well, we never get rain in Arizona, right? So as we're entering the hotter months, like we're we're already over 100 degrees now. So you go try to wet down a sidewalk. I mean, you got to really saturate it. So when they do take the shot, the money shot, if you will, that everything just looks fresh and clean and in the best condition possible. And, and believe it or not, it, it just looks so much better. And it's one of those old things, you know, the harder you work, I'm doing stuff other agents choose not to do, but we're getting results that other agents are not getting, and, and they're not understanding why. But we're just going that extra mile for our sellers. And again, it's kind of trademarking me again as the expert doing what other agents won't do. On these cards, it's hard to even call them cards. They're so large. It's big as a sheet of paper. This whole item folded in half is still the size of a piece of regular piece of paper. It's it's a monster card, high gloss, high quality. You said that the whole thing delivered is thirty five cents. What does it cost to get each one printed when you're printing up five thousand? On eleven by seventeen on cardstock with high gloss, UV coating, and one thing we're doing is spot UV. So. Some of it might have a black matte finish, and then the photos pop out with the spot UV. It's a very cool marketing trick. And uh, we're getting those printed for about $0.14 cents a piece. Now, now again, we're printing 5000 at a time. And there's really not that much difference. If you printed it 1000 it'd probably cost almost the same as what it costs to print 5000 Once these guys get the presses going and they get the plates... They're just adding paper and ink, you know. Most of the time is just in the setup to get the press rolling. So, and, and most people that do any type of printing, if you print a thousand, you print two thousand. It's a very small difference. So, we just kind of focus on on five thousand. And when you mail out around five thousand, we might print five thousand and mail out, you know, forty six, forty seven hundred pieces, and then keep some back for brochure boxes or what have you. That's that's about a seven eight hundred dollar mailing under the. Uh, the Every Door Direct program with the post office, so it's so it's very inexpensive. I mean, it sounds expensive, but but again, you know, if if you're doing that on an average price of a three hundred thousand dollar house, you know, that might be a oh, you know, ten thousand dollar commission approximately, you know, for the, for one side of the transaction, and it costs you, you know, it might cost us uh, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars to do the marketing piece. You know, there's a difference of, you know, seven, $8,000 in that range, if you will. But the key is, is that those postcards are my direct marketing. Sellers will pick that up and they go, well, I'm thinking about selling my house. I'm going to call Nate. And, and that's, you know, that's my new calling card. That's the piece that other agents are not going to try to duplicate. They might, but they're not yet. First to market wins. Right, Mike? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> These cards are serving two purposes for you. One, they're marketing the home that you have for sale. You're meeting your requirement to make that seller happy and market their property. And two, it's pushing you out and actually promoting you for future listings. You want to hear part of my listing presentation, Mike, that we can share with everybody? Sure. Okay. Here's what I do. I go in and I, and I paint a picture in their mind of a concept. And I tell them, hey, I'm an I'm a Apple guy. I love Apple products. I pay twice as much money for an Apple laptop or you know, an iPhone than maybe the other competition because I like the service. I like the quality. But one thing that Apple has done well is they're great at marketing. 
you know, they're going to come out with an iPhone 5. What usually happens? You know, there's the hype of it coming out. Maybe somehow one gets left in a bar by accident before they're fully developed, and that creates hype. Finally, they have an announcement, and that announcement is, you know, the iPhone 5, and they have this big, long press conference, and everybody's watching it, and then they say, oh, by the way, you can't buy it yet. It's another 30 days before the iPhone 5 comes out, and you can order it. So I take that same concept, and I said, Mike, you as a seller, we can just put it in MLS like everybody else, or I can hire a professional photographer to come out and shoot your house in the best possible light possible. We're going to create these beautiful marketing pieces. We're going to send this out to the marketplace. I'm going to mail this out to 5,000 people. Some of these people are going to call on your house, and we're going to get their information. And then what we're going to do is we're going to invite them to a special open house that's only from 12 until 1 o'clock on Sunday a one-hour time frame. Because what I want to do, Mike, is I want to put, you know, 10, 15, 20 buyers in your house before it's on the market, kind of like an Apple store. If you ever go by an Apple store, those places are always buzzing. I want that consumer that's walking through your house to be wondering if the other person that's walking through the bedroom is going to make an offer, and I want them to make bring their best offer forward. And i got to tell you, this is the best thing for a seller. I've never had anything to benefit a seller better than a home not being on the market. Because, you know, again, we're going to co-broke. We're going to co-broke at the same amount we would normally do. And we're going to we're going to get realtors involved. But the main thing is if we get an offer, and let's say the house is listed at 500000 and it might be aggressive. Maybe it's only worth four seventy-five on the comps. And we can price your house at 500000 and we can create this mass market in a very short period of time to get more people through your house than, than what a normal agent would do, we're able to get top dollar. Now, the agent might call me and say, hey, Nate, you know, buyer really likes the house, but we can only find cops for 475 I say, you know, I appreciate that, but, you know, we're going to mark this one at 500 So even if they made us an offer at 475 we're going to probably counter them back at full price and let them know, you know, if this doesn't work for you, we understand. You know, we still haven't put it in MLS to expose the house to the 30,000 realtors in Maricopa County or, or on Realtor.com to the rest of the world. You know, right now it's just, and we find that we're pulling people up. If the appraisal comes in low and they want us to adjust the price, we'd say, you know, we appreciate, you know, you making that offer to stay in the game, but if, you, if your buyer can't come up with additional money to close this transaction, we'll just go ahead and put it on the market, you know. So that whole uh, sense of fear of loss is able to pull people up, and we're able to do the best job I've done in 28 years, and and that's create a fiduciary with my seller to get them the highest possible price in the shortest amount of time with the least problems. Anyway, that's 28 years of getting the idea and now running with it, and for the six months we've been doing it. I haven't lost a listening appointment yet. Nate, I, I still have a couple more questions about these cars. They sound like they're very powerful. They're working well. Tell me more about the call to action. What kind of call to action do you have on them? Is it just, hey, call the IVR number? Uh, Do you also have something where you're saying, hey, we can list your home, find out the value of your home? What type of call to actions do you have? Real simple. Okay, this one one just states, uh, I have two call to action on this particular one I have in front of me. This one says, for recorded information, it has a little 24-hour circle around it, and price, call this number and enter in this code. Okay. That's the only call to action on the front. The rest is just the front shot of this house and the address and some name we give it, right? On the, on the back side, uh, again, we have that same call to action. Uh, on the bottom, on, on, I don't do this in all the pieces, but on some of them we're putting 
your home sold in 90 days guarantee. Car 24-hour recorded hotline to find out more. Okay, and and again, that's another, you know, IVR code. So, you know, we're able to track where people are calling from and and so forth. But really, that it, it's that simple. You know, of course, there's you know Nate Martinez, Remax Professionals, my company address, my for whatever reason, there's an 800 number, my direct office line, it even has my cell phone, and uh, and then our web our websites and email address. And then about six, seven bullet points on the house, and that's that's really it, you know, on that particular one. On the uh, the folded one, the front's very simple. You know, it's kind of maybe, you know, some visual of the community. Uh, the inside has some houses, pictures of houses that are either uh, pending, sold, or, or listed. And this one, I have two uh, houses that are pending, or actually four houses pending, and two houses sold. And again, these aren't my listings. This is in that neighborhood that I'm trying to create a presence, you know. Of course, we're saying that it's information. We've got the disclaimer down there, Nate Martinez, Remax Professionals, blah, 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 you know, and the HOA and everything that pretty much discloses that these aren't my listings. These are coming from the multiple listing. And then just, you know, one-line printout of, uh, of actives, pendings, and solds. This one here has just a little call to action, you know, hello. It'd be, it would say, hello, Mike. Fletcher Heights expert Nate Martinez has been a member of the real estate industry for over a quarter of a century. And it just kind of goes on to tell a little story, you know. And then, then we have kind of an aerial map on this one that shares, uh, you know, where the house is located within the community. And uh, I think another call to action would be in here that, you know, uh, this, this piece is mailed out to 2,000 homes within the community if you want your house advertised here type of, of a call. And again, this one doesn't really have anything bold. In fact, we don't even, I think on this one here, I don't have a uh, IVR on this piece at all. It's just it's just one phone number, the email address, and, and so forth. So, you know, we changed that pretty minimal. I really only want to do one thing. I just wanted to call that number. So I try to make it simple and try not to give too many offers. I just wanted to call that number because once they call that number, then I have their name and phone number usually. Over, over probably 60%, 70% of the time, I'm going to get their name and phone number. 100% of the time, I'm going to get their phone number. You mentioned the original card, the one that's going out generically to the neighborhood. It's been personalized. And so because of that, you can't use that every door direct mail. What's the cost of getting that piece out? Now, I use a company, and, and basically in our marketplace, we were able to get an exclusivity to use this in our marketplace. And, and the guy that put this piece together is a guy by the name of David Collins. And he owns a company called Real Marketing Inc. And they're out of San Diego. And he just found a way to, and he's probably a member of like, all the major boards across the U.S. So they're able to go in there and grab the data needed, put together a high-quality piece, very high-quality. And, and the bottom line is this, Mike, is I don't touch it, okay? It... Uh, it gets designed by them. We, we send back and forth some proofs on it. You know, I give the input. Once it's done, he mails it direct to that subdivision. And like in this piece here on the front would have your name on the inside left bottom cover. Again, that would be the names of the homeowners. And then again on the back, uh, again, the name of the homeowners is tied into the messaging. So, you know, his, his piece is a copyrighted piece, a little more expensive. You know, it's, it's about a dollar dollar fifty nine to dollar seventy nine depending on how many you mail out. But again it's very targeted. 
you know, can I reproduce a piece similar to it? Realtors probably could for less money, but the, but the thing is, is it's a monthly piece. It's systematized. They do all the heavy lifting, and all she do is debit your credit card once a month. And it's like having a, a, a marketing assistant, you know, so they do a good job. I don't know if you want me to share their number or not. Sure, that's fine. Okay, well, reach out to David Collins at 858-254-9619. And again, uh, I know a lot of a lot of brokers are using this type of marketing across the United States are getting great success. Now, is David Collins doing both of the cards or just the one that's going generically out to the farm? He, he does the uh, more expensive piece. The direct mail, we do it all in-house. You know, I got, a, I got a guy that gets on his Mac and designs a postcard. We send it out to a local print broker. They deliver it back to us. Uh, Every Door Direct is a very simple system. I, everything's done online. I pay for it online. You know, it's all done by carrier route. You don't have to sort anything. You just bundle everything in bundles of 50. And like in that carrier route, if there's 325 homes. You just got to have bundles of 50 totaling 325. You put it in a little bin with a little piece of paper and I drop it off at the post office and off they go. And here's what happens. I'll get a 5,000 postcard delivery. A couple people on my team, when it comes on, they'll, they'll, they'll get the pieces and, and sort them out. And I got a guy that just drops them off at the post office. He don't even have to stand in line or pay for them because I, it, it's all done online prior to getting to the post office. So a very simple system. So it takes about five days to print the, those type of postcards. And, and that was the whole key. You got to find, I was printing them out of state and they were taking like 10 days. And then you had to pay for shipping and I finally was able to take the pricing that I can get out of state, get it locally for the same or cheaper without the shipping cost and, and save some money. You know, we're starting to do a lot of volumes of these types of postcards. I have an agent in the office that he does more of a generic card and he mails out 42,000 pieces. Uh, actually, you, you've interviewed him before, Josh Smith. He mails out 42,000 pieces a month and, and then I got other people. So we're trying to use the economies of scale are trying to use the same printer so we're all getting a little bit better pricing by the by the huge amount of volume and so at, at Remax Professionals we we're really pushing you know marketing into neighborhoods and trying to get there before the competition does with again a high quality piece we, we want people to when they're going to compete in those neighborhoods they got to step up with quality you know some people are going to compete on price we're going to we're going to compete on quality now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So, Nate, you Given us uh, one way that you're going out into the market to generate business, you're using the geographic farm concept with these postcards. What other ways are you going about generating business and leads as you're making this transition? Well, you know, I, I was not a fan of, of paying for leads for buyer leads. You know, I just never a fan of that. Started experimenting a little bit with Zillow uh, a while back, and actually we get pretty good results with Zillow. And, uh, starting to increase our, our footprint on Zillow. Instead of going wide, going narrow, instead of buying several zip codes like I did before, 
were buying several placements within the same zip code, if that makes sense. If they sold, as an example, maybe 16 realtors uh, position on Zillow, and there's usually three or four realtors, uh, I think it's three now, on the right side of Zillow, you know, so every maybe four or five clicks, your picture is going to come up. But if you buy more in there, then maybe every click, you're, you're there as, a, as an opportunity. So we started doing that and uh, just started, I mean, we probably started with Zillow about seven, eight months ago. And it, you know, we're probably getting a four to one return on dollar spent in the first six months. And I'm thinking in this last couple months, now that we're getting it all tweaked out and we're better at conversion, it's it's a no-brainer. I can't believe it. I mean, now again, Realtor.com, I spend a good chunk of money with them. I don't get the volume of leads, but with Zillow, and again, Zillow was a company, Mike, that I did not want to do business with. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, I felt that they were trying to enter our realtor space uh, when they when they came online. And and uh, instead of getting, you know, my old mentor, Howard Britton, who always tell us, get out of judgment and into curiosity, I, I think I was in judgment. Uh, once I switched to get, let's let's try this and see how it works, that's that's worked well for me. I mean that's working well for our buyers agents and, and getting leads and quite frankly we're getting listings off of it too, which was I didn't think we would get listings off of it. And it's amazing how many people are are on there, you know. So that's that's about as much as we're doing online, other than our our website. Our website's pretty robust. We use Real Pro systems for that. We've had probably about 100 pages built out on that website. Uh, we've done community pages. You know, they're, they're coming to natesomes.com. Let's just give them a good experience, you know, and, and there's enough information there for whatever somebody wants. We have a, another branded site, natesluxuryhomes.com, which we had to, you know, blow the dust off because we weren't selling any luxury homes for the last seven years. So uh, we're getting that one all redesigned again, and, and that's uh, – where we're adding, you know, we're adding our half million dollar and above product on that website. And they work in tandem. So I would say that's the majority of the stuff we're doing. It's not a lot. I'm trying not to focus on going after any short sale business. It's always been tough, you know. The nice thing about equity business, if I list a house today, I might get an offer on it tomorrow. I might close in 45 days, and it's pretty simple. If I get a short sale, you know, maybe I, I just closed a short sale after having the listing for 14 months. I think I lost money on that deal. <laughs> the faster you can get from appointment to close, you know, your profitability goes up. So, you know, even though we're still in a pretty, you know, the pretty big chunk of business out there is short sale, we choose not to market for it. I, if I don't get another short sale the rest of my life, I'm okay. Nate, you've got somewhere around 5,000 past clients. Are you marketing to those past clients? And if so, how? Okay, that, that's in the monthly newsletter. And, and we've had about 5,000 transactions, which doesn't really equate because, you know, somebody bought and sold and bought and sold again. But we have about 3,200 people that have done business with us that we have their address. And so we touch them in a monthly newsletter. The newsletter has been, you know, very simple. Probably about five, six, seven years we've been doing a newsletter. Didn't do it the first 20 for whatever reason. I thought they were hokey. But we've done them religiously for the last seven, eight years, I guess. 
you know, we, we have stuff in there like, you know, uh, thanking the referring agent for referring somebody or a, a client referring somebody. So there's acknowledgement every month of people sending us referrals. We're letting people know that, you know, we appreciate those referrals and they kind of see them in lights, if you will. We also uh, send a, a small token of appreciation for every referral. You know, it might be a box of cookies from Cookies from Home or movie tickets or something. Some type of acknowledgement for just thinking of us and, and thanking them. We're not doing that at closing. We're doing that the day that they gave us a name. Okay. The other things that would be on there is, is inventory of what houses we have for sale, a little bit of information on what's going on in the market. We also produce that piece electronically and send it out electronically. I, I still like to use the mail because it's, you know, even if it's on the way to the trash can, they get my name and it's, they remember me once a month, okay? Client parties. We haven't done a client party in a while. We're actually doing a movie night uh, coming up next month. Uh, there's a new Superman movie. So we're renting out uh, the movie theater and invite our past client database Movies usually come out, what, at midnight on Thursday. but So we'll get a first-run movie that first Saturday. Cost about $2,000 to to buy out a theater, like 200 seats, 300 seats, something like that. And we're going to co-op that with our mortgage company. So we're going to joint venture that and, uh, and market and bring our clients into that and see how that works. But we're always trying to touch them some way. But, you know, basically it's monthly. I also have a, a, a weekly email that goes out to about 7,500 people. A lot of uh, realtors have done this over the years. And we kind of jumped on it about less than a year ago. And it's one of those things, Mike, that I did not want to do because, you know, it's just more spam, more stuff. And I didn't want to spam people. I started sending out, and it's just positive stuff, right? There's no, no sales pitch at all. It's just something positive every Monday. And I can't believe the positive emails I'm getting back from it. You know, thank you, me. Oh, this really made my day. You know, and then you find that, you know, probably the first four or five months, I'd probably get one or two people a month to say, hey, take me off, take me off. Don't, you know, I don't want to get this stuff. So we would. But I haven't. I don't think in the last two months anybody's even said take me off. You know, they can probably unsubscribe as well. You know, automatically. But uh, no hate mail from it. And again, that's something that people are. Had a lady the other day. She she's a, a title rep. I've never done business with her. She got on that I guess because she's a title rep. She's on that mailing list. And uh, she goes, I'm not having good luck with my realtor. Will you guys help us buy a house? And it was a perfect conversion of a lead by just sending out positive information every Monday every Monday morning. So other than that, I think I'm dry. I don't think we do anything else. Let's break down a couple of those. You said 7,500 for this email list. Who's writing those emails? Oh, I have a ghostwriter that does it, you know, and uh, they, they uh, that's not my gift. So I have somebody write the information, they gather the information, and I just uh, send it out. Is that a company or someone you know? Both. Yeah, both. You'd contact P3 Coaching. Okay, they're out of uh, the Boston area. Good company there. So they do a lot for recruiting and retention as well. I'm in the REMAX brokers, and so a lot of their stuff is focused on the REMAX systems. But, you know, I think they're open to go across party lines, if you will. You know, to help people. 
Sure. You mentioned you have a 7,500, so you have 7,500 people on that email list. That's more than your, your past clients. So who's on that list? All the Zillow leads that we get will go on there, right? Any, any email we ever get, you know, if you're a, if we put you into our, our real pro system, you know, which is our, our website and it has a backend system for the CRM and everybody that goes in there, every, every client lead, buyer lead, past client, they're all in there and just different spheres, you know, that we started adding to it. You know, we didn't get that, and, and there's probably there's probably 2,000 local agents that I send that out to because I own, my, myself and Frank own six REMAX offices. So we're sending that out as just a nice positive message to about 2,000, uh, what I would call, people that would be on my recruit list that I'd love to have part of our company at some point in the future. On your monthly newsletter, You've said you've been doing that for about six, seven years. Are you doing that in-house or are you farming that out to a company as well? We do that in-house. It, like I said, it's, it's more of a personal. That one's more personal. I mean, I might talk about my kids. I might talk about something going on in our community. Again, it's, it's 1117 folded in half piece. Uh, we don't use really the hard cardstock, but we do a nice glossy uh, paper. And it's, you know, it's kind of... You know, I think it's kind of cutesy. It's professional, but cutesy, I guess. You know, I, I keep telling the gal that works for the designs that I go, oh, don't make it so cutesy, you know. <laughs> but it works, you know. People like it. Nate, you've been doing this for a long time, 28 years. I like to have a little fun at this point and just say, uh, can you recall what was your worst marketing method? What did you try to do and what happened? Wow. Worst. Um, well, you know, I, I guess I have one for you. Ego sometimes gets in the way of logic, and I did an ad in, uh, I think it was about 2000, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They were a fairly new baseball team here, right? And I, w I was a season ticket holder, but my season ticket holder seats were kind of far and away, in, in the, you know, the, the bleacher seats, if you will. And they had a nice publication. It was a magazine that was mailed out to all the season ticket holders. I mean, it was a beautiful magazine, just full-size magazine. So I went ahead and I took a full-page ad in that piece. And, you know, the numbers, you know, maybe it was about a $5,000 ad. And, but it gave me tickets at the third baseline. So then I had tickets, right? And then the next, and I got zero return. And again, because, you know, when you're marketing, sometimes like radio or TV, you're marketing to a valley where, you know, your appointment might be an hour from your marketplace. And, and I found that I was driving from one side of town because, you know, I had to go. I had to be the one to convert the lead. I didn't want to give it to a team member. So I would drive, you know, an hour away from my market center to go ahead and try and compete for a listing to only lose it to, to a local agent, you know, because I was too far away. So I, I couldn't really contribute a lot of income or quite frankly, any income to that piece the first year. So I did it again. You know? <laughs> and the same thing in the second year, I think the only win to this whole deal is I ended up getting seats behind home plate that year. Of course, I had to pay for those seats. They weren't <laughs> given. Uh, and we went to the World Series and won the World Series that year. So that, that, that was a win-win. But, but the marketing piece, absolutely zero return, all ego-based marketing and I couldn't attribute a dime in return, but a good time. We had a good time, you know, so. <laughs> you didn't do it a third year. No, no, no. 
just did not disappear. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, Nate, you've mentioned your team a couple times. Let's do that. Let's talk about your team. Can you tell us who's on the team and what do they do? And I'm looking for team titles or positions and responsibilities. Okay. I mean, you're going to find it to be really interesting and simple. Christine is kind of my right hand. She runs the, the Freddie account listing and selling. In, in times past, when we were doing a lot of volume, we had a specialist for each REO. We had one person doing Fannie, one person doing Freddie, one person doing Wells. You know, just They were specialized. At other times, we had people doing the, the setup of the REO. It didn't matter which vendor it was we were working for, but they were turning on the utilities, getting the trash out, the landscaping. And then somebody else was handling the contracts negotiation, and somebody else was closing. So today we have Christine. She does all that, and she does it for Freddie, and she also does our equity sellers. So she's a phenomenal woman, and she just uh, takes control and has a very positive attitude. So, so basically her title is, you know, is endless. So she doesn't really have a title other than she's my right hand, okay? And I think she's, you know, listing to, to the normal sellers out there. She's my listing manager. On the other hand, sitting across from her is my daughter, Brandy, who's about 31 years old, and she runs the Fannie Mae account. And as the market started slowing down, we kind of pushed her more towards being a buyer's agent. So she's kind of running buyers and controlling the Fannie Mae contract. And she pretty much handles a little bit of property management for us. And so that's basically her job. And then my son, Nate, has been licensed a little over a year, but been on the team for about three or four, uh, was kind of one of our uh, one of our guys on our REO team that went out uh, when we first got an assignment, you know, check occupancy, taking all the pictures, preparing all the data for the BPOs. And, and uh, I mean, this kid's done well over 1,000 BPOs in his, his day, pretty good at pricing homes. And his focus is as a buyer's agent and and then still with both Fannie and Freddie doing all the BPOs for those two two entities. And then my spouse, Tanya, is kind of a stay-at-home mom slash realtor. And I think uh, myself, that's it. Very small. And then I do have uh, one of the gals that worked for me for 15 years, Sarah. I decided to share her for many reasons. One, she was getting burnt out after 15 years on my team working for me and during the slowdown. She has a gift, and that's a gift of, of writing and, and, and stuff. that she, she wrote her first book this year, got it published, doing well with that. She kind of helps some of our marketing. She helps do all the copyright. Uh, she has that gift. She can make a house sound beautiful online, so she kind of manages my websites. And she's more of a, a virtual assistant, and she does that for many agents within our firm now. So that works out real well. So being that she's not in here full-time, she's probably working about 20 hours a week on top of the team that I just mentioned. And then, you know, within our real estate company, we have different departments. Like one of our, I have somebody that designs all my marketing. I kind of share with Remax professionals. We may need to add somebody, but, I, you know, I'm trying to be cheap now. <laughs> I, I would say in the future, Mike, uh, because, uh, you know, only, uh, one of the other hats I wear is I kind of try to help the agents. we got 165 agents in our firm, and, I try to meet and help and, and be there to bounce off ideas, you know, kind of the mentor coach as much as uh, these guys are all pretty independent, you know, but uh, I'm always there to help them out. 
my, my focus probably would be to get one of my team members to maybe step up and and start going on the listing appointments. I I kind of took the listing appointment by you know by the bull by the horns, if you will. You know, six months ago, as we started to get back into that space with this marketing, quite frankly, I like it. You know, I'm, I'm doing a very small geographic area. I'm doing a nice price point, but uh, and trying to get my two kids to get a little more confidence in being better at, at at the listing piece. They're very comfortable with buyers, very comfortable with the REO piece because that's what they both grew up doing. And then Tanya, we have a we have a three year old, so she's full-time mom and, uh, you know, and getting more and more back into the real estate business as our daughter's, you know, over three years old now. So she's starting to take some listings for me again, but I probably need to replace myself by somebody stronger and going on more listing appointments in the future. So that'll be a, a new team member, a new team position that we're getting ready to do now. Well, this is a, this is an interesting team dynamic. You've got several family members on the team and, my question to you is, do you have some type of concept for the future? Do you plan on turning the team over to a family member? Uh, are you trying to groom somebody for that? Or have you just not even thought about it? You no, know, it's all been thought about. You know, it's probably thought about 23 years ago when I named my son the same name as mine, you know. Uh, but no, you know, I think the nice thing is, is, is like we get, we literally got four generations. My son's in his 20s, my daughter's in her 30s, uh, Tanya's in her 40s, and I'm in my 50s. So we're getting ready to have some fun with some marketing here shortly. Where we're, We haven't done any team marketing in a while, so we're going to have some fun with that. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'd like to work for another 10 years at, you know, at a similar level. You know, I'm 53 now. So, you know, if I get to 60 and, you know, and I'm spending more and more time coaching, motivating, and maybe just run into team, but uh, yeah, you know, I would love my, for my family to take over the business. You've mentioned this other business that you have, the fact that you have run uh, office, in fact, multiple offices with a partner. It sounds like you have six Remax offices going. That's a whole other dynamic there. How long have you been doing that where you've been one of the owners of the offices rather than just one of the practitioners inside? Well, I joined Remax like 22 years ago, and about 12 years ago, I decided I wanted to have a, my own office. Uh, I don't recommend this for people to go out and open your own office, but you know that's what we did. You know, again, that was probably an ego-driven uh, idea. But you know, we were trying to control our own environment. We wanted things to be done our way. You know, and so you know, I talked Frank Russo, my business partner, into being my partner. We were both r- realtors at the same location, and. Uh, we did that. We had pretty good success in the first couple of years. And I mean, quite frankly, it was quite scary. The day our first office meeting was on September 11th, 2001. Our TIs were not even completed on the space that we had committed to for five years. And uh, it was a very sad day in the history of the world, but uh, it was very scary for us as, as realtors becoming brokers in an a, uh, unsettled economy. I mean, it was a mess. Everybody we thought that was going to come with us in our in our adventure of recruiting, right, committed to coming over, and then that happened and nobody came. And, you know, it took like a year for everybody to start feeling comfortable about moving again. You know, eventually uh, we ended up buying, two years ago, we bought our old broker out. Ted was a great guy. He came straight to us. We kind of competed within the same market area without stepping on each other's toes, if you will, for, for agents. 
and came to us with that respect and offered his company to us. So we purchased Remax Integrity two years ago, which doubled our size from three offices to six. Since then, we spent the last two years kind of remodeling, retraining, you know, merging the two cultures into one. Feel pretty good about it now. You know, it's been a long two years because our market still was falling. And people, you know, if you were a broker owner in the Phoenix market or any of these tough markets to survive what happened the last six, seven years to market values, to agent commissions, you know, we've had agents lose their houses uh, and some losing everything, you know, uh, and, and staying in the game. And, and a lot of them, you know, left our firm just based on the economy, you know. So it was a tough couple of years, but or a tough five, six years, but now we're, we feel pretty confident. We're strong. We're uh, lean, mean, and uh, and our agents, matter of fact, we have our agents in our office average 24.4 transaction sides per year. It's the highest in, in Maricopa County. It's one of the highest in the country, according to the latest uh, Real Trend Top 500 broker report just came out. So we're pretty proud of that. What do you attribute that high closings per agent count to? What are you doing that's different than everybody else? Well, you know, I think it goes back to both Frank and I. You know, I mean, we we got involved in education and star power way back and implementing the best ideas from the best people in the business, just like you're doing today. You know, you're you're sharing great ideas from great people. And and so we, we were good implementers of that type of stuff. And then we had teams, and we were always a team-centric uh, office. We're an agent-centric office more than a broker-centric. So, you know, we were kind of realtors first and owners second. And our value system and the, and the decisions we make are usually based more on the agent and making sure that we're providing the services that, that benefit the agent to grow. So I think that's one reason. We share everything. We have training every single week. We share every idea, every marketing idea, our successes, our failures. What's really exciting when you get some of the top agents of the company calling you asking your advice on a marketing piece or something, and you're able to kind of help them maybe tweak it a little bit so they can maybe get a little bit better result. But we've got good people. I mean, it, it, it's uh, we're just two guys that have a vision to provide great service to our agents and and again, to attract and retain the agents that we have, you know, I feel really good about it, you know. So, but yeah, I think just, you know, we create the services and teach them how to build a team. And I think that's why we have uh, such great, great production. Let's talk about time management. How do you keep control of your time? Wow. Uh, you think I have control of my time? <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's the one challenge that, uh, you know, I, I'm the type of guy that wakes up super early in the morning and, uh, you know, I wish I can have better time management, but, you know, I, I do try to focus my day before it gets going on trying to just start the morning off. Uh, I like to say hitting the gym every day and, you know, these are my goals and sometimes I get, uh, three or four or five, six months, and then I'll get off it for a while. But I would say, realistically, I'm up in the morning. Before I go to work, I like to spend some time just getting caught up on the day, uh, knocking out all the emails. Because once the day starts, I probably won't touch the emails again until the next day. I'll have my uh, son go through and sort the emails and, and inform me of what I need to communicate you know, and get back to on, and, and the rest are probably delegated out. You know, I, I have a three-year-old, you know, and uh, so that takes that takes time. So 
I tried to focus, you know, when I leave the house in the morning around 8.30, 9 o'clock, I try to get back at uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock is kind of the range, and I try to take weekends off. So that's the focus. Does it always happen that way? I would say it pretty much does. You know, now that we're doing this marketing, I did my first open house in a couple months. Uh, this, you know, I went to do one hour on Sunday. We had so much activity, I ended up staying three hours. It was just like a, a zoo of people coming through. But it was fun. It was in the neighborhood I want to work and and meeting all the neighbors and, and the people coming through was, was kind of nice. So the time management part is something I struggle and work on every day. But I do have, I try to work off a perfect day and a perfect week and I have things blocked out to do every day and set my appointments. Like you know, I try to set my listing appointments between 2 and 6 o'clock. I want to be done by 6 o'clock. I don't want to go to a listing appointment after 6. So we really try to hone it in. So if we do anything good, it's trying to block our calendar and trying to adhere to it. Nate, you've got this team. You've had it large. You build, made it even bigger with the REOs. You shrunk it back down. It's You've got people still running around. A lot of agents are going to be asking themselves, are you profitable? Are you profitable? Well, were we profitable last year? I would say no. And, and that was probably one of the things I alluded to in the beginning of the call. You know, I had people working for me 14 years. I probably carried three employees for a year that I shouldn't have as the market was going down. But kind of loyalty to people and friendships, I didn't make good business decisions. So, you know, I, I had too had too much overhead, you know, too much overhead. So cutting back this year, in the first quarter of this year, we're extremely profitable. And again, you got to understand, when we went from, you know, the average commission in Phoenix before the turndown was probably north of $10,000 a transaction to, you know, anywhere from $1,500 to, you know, $2,000 in the REO world, we didn't have a lot of profit. You had to do a lot of volume. So once the volume went away, we lost a lot of profit. Now we're on the opposite end where, you know, it's nice to have double-digit commission checks coming in as often as a single-digit commission checks coming in. So, you know, the, the dollars are flowing again. As far as REMAX professionals, you know, it's profitable. It took about everything we had to keep that thing running for six years during, you know, probably the worst turndown that real estate market Arizona has ever seen. But it's a profitable entity, and we continue to hope for additional profits in, in all areas of our businesses. Well, you've, you've been in it for 28 years. You've, you've gone through a lot of annual cycles or annual profit uh, cycles, P&Ls. Could you give us an idea what the profit margin has floated amongst it? The reason I'm asking, and by the way, I'm asking this as a percent, not as a dollar amount, but as a percentage of your gross. The reason I'm asking is a lot of people try to make plans. You have this incredible long-term perspective. You've seen where profit has gotten really narrow. How big has it been? What, what kind of range have you seen in your net profit as a percentage of gross? You know, again, when you're a bigger volume and you have teams and salaries and advertising budgets and so forth, you know, if we operate at a 50% profit margin, that's not a bad deal, okay? You know, if you're if you're throwing up some high dollars. If, if you're in a low production, you know, probably, you know, we always say about 10% towards marketing and 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 somewhere in there. Sometimes you push that needle to get to 15, 20% marketing as you're building a business. But, you know, if I can, if I can push the needle and if I'm profitable, 50, if I earn 50 cents on every dollar profit, that would be a perfect thing. I think I've been as low as 
earning you know 15 to 20% profit. And again, I pay myself a salary every month, every week, if you will. So when, when, I, when I'm talking profit, that's after the cost of my salary, my staff salary, all the marketing, advertising, you know, company fees, uh, board dues. You know, the, the target is to get to 50 for me. Sure. So you've seen a range somewhere down at the lower end, around 15% in a, in a hard year. And you've been, have you been able to achieve that upper end, that 50% or is that the goal? Yeah, no, I think I have. I, you know, we have. You know, I don't think I've ever, I can't really say that I've achieved more than 50. And again, economies of scale works, right? If you sell 615 homes or, you know, you sell $75 million in, in transactions, you know, the commission dollars follow. I would like to be the guy that sells, you know, $100 million houses a year with one or two assistants because that's a high profitability outside your marketing cost. You, it's, it's no different. But when you're selling, you know, 100 or 500 low-end properties, it's, it's a lot of work, you know. So the nice thing that I see about 2013 for us, our average price will probably triple this year from what we were selling last year. And then the dollars follow. I mean, the commission dollars absolutely follow. Nate, what drives you? I just like to achieve. You know, I wake up every morning excited about real estate. I have for 28 years. I mean, I haven't really lost that zeal for, you know, the art of the deal. I like to do transactions. I like to meet people. I, I enjoy money. There never seems to be enough of that. But, uh, you know, and I like to invest. You know, I like to buy properties and have, you know, long-term goals for continued wealth after I'm out of real estate. Some people ask me, why did you do a real estate company? I think I like to help realtors. I like to help people achieve their dreams. So every day I come to work, you know, I'm always, my door is usually always open to help our agents and help build. Uh, the, kind of one of the fascinating things is so many people that were on my team before are now working for our firm and they have their own teams. And it, it's so awesome to see somebody that, joined your team 10 years ago as a buyer's agent, brand new to the business to the day that, you know, earning over a quarter million dollars in, in, in residential sales to themselves plus their team, you know, so it's, I, I enjoy that. So I, I think the business is something that I never thought I would do. And when I got in 28 years ago, uh, I've never stopped. Now I thought I would have probably retired or been able to retire, but then when the real estate turned down, when you're a realtor and you own real estate, you know, you also get bruised and beat up on the values of your properties and the investments you made. So it was a humbling experience and a lot of lessons were learned. So we could just continue on working hard, working smarter, and growing our net worth every day. Yeah, that was one of the questions I had for you is whether you were investing yourself in real estate. It sounds like you have and that you've learned some lessons. First of all, let me just confirm, you, you are investing in real estate, correct? Yes, sir. We own, uh, we own a couple commercial buildings, own several rental properties. Haven't been real big into flipping homes, although I have done it. Uh, a lot of our agents do it quite regularly. I just didn't have the time, you know. I mean, with all the stuff that I have on my plate, the flipping of the real estate wasn't something that I was real excited doing. I just, I'm trying to get my son more involved in it again and Hopefully, the two of us will start investing in some properties and let him kind of take that ball and, and, you know, start doing some other properties. But uh, been been investing in real estate for 20 years, I guess. Made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, making a lot of money again. <laughs>
You mentioned there were lessons. Could you share a couple of those lessons about investing in real estate? Buy low, sell high. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, I think the key is 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 that that we should be our own best customer. You know, we're so easy to go find that perfect investment deal that it's just maybe it's just a good buy that we go out to find a buyer for it and we forget to be the buyer. I think we need to be the buyer. You need to have a plan to buy residential real estate. Uh, I, I prefer income producing. I like rental properties, uh, single family. I do have a few condos as well. But I could tell you, it, it, and I don't like to leverage anymore. You know, I, I have several that are free and clear. And, and that's the goal is to get to free and clear properties where, you know, when I do decide to hang up the gloves, if you will, and, and, and I want wake-up money, I just want to wake up every morning and have people paying us rent that I can live on and not have to work anymore. Well, Nate, why do you think you've been so successful? I, I think it's just the drive. You know, to me, it's, it's I don't have a choice. You know, I grew up uh, poor, uh, a single mom raising me. We had no financial future, you know, and and again, when I got in real estate at 26, it was after struggling through different jobs and so forth. And and once I got into it, it just it's just something I love doing. I love I love the achievement, and I think a lot of it for me growing up, maybe not having a father or anybody to kind of pat me on the back and say you're doing a good job. I think real estate has been that comfort for me that uh, with all the awards and plaques and all that stuff, that was kind of that pat on the back that maybe I needed and probably still need today. I think everybody does. You know, I think people like to be appreciated for doing something good. Nate, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to go find a mentor. Okay, find somebody that you admire, that uh, that you want to learn from, and go to work for them, if anything. You know, go to work for them and just be the fly on the wall and learn everything you can from that person or many people. You know, maybe you should go and find different people to be your mentors and talk and ask questions. What you'll find is people are willing to share their knowledge. Good people, good salespeople will be willing to share the little nuggets have got them where they are today. I think your tapes have done that. You know, people are willing to share. Do you think that top agent interviews like the one you're doing right now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Oh, definitely so. I, I built my career back in the day with cassette tapes in my car every day, riding around either listening to motivational speakers or interviews of top agents. Education you can get from listening to somebody else's mistakes, failures, and successes it's important. Again, I think I said that earlier, the faster you can implement the ideas you learn, the better off you'll be. Nate, you said that the faster you can implement, the better off you are. How do you do that? How do you implement quickly? What's your trick? I can go back to many ideas where I did not do it for whatever reason. Maybe it was money, fear, lack of the ability to make that decision you know, for whatever reason, based on fear or money, I wouldn't make a decision. What I found, though, sometimes, and it's even in hiring and firing, you know, sometimes in, in firing somebody, you'll, you'll, you'll keep somebody on because you don't want to fire them, you know? I mean, at least I have been that way. And, and it's always a, a, a bad mistake. So I think the faster you can make decisions, the better you off you are. Here's an example. Many moons ago, I was, I was listening to Star Power Tapes, and these, all the realtors around the country had a moving van. 
they were doing moving bands. And I found every reason whatsoever not to do a moving band. You know, I didn't want somebody drinking while they're moving and crashing my truck. I didn't want somebody backing into somebody else. I didn't want to pay for it. Then one day I, I, I changed my mind. I said, I'm going to buy a moving van, but I'm not going to use it as uh, allow people to move. I'm going to use it as my real estate assault vehicle. And then that's where all my posts and signs and key machine and my employee would drive it around town. And I get the same benefit with the advertising, but it wasn't used as a moving van. And it worked out real well as a company vehicle. But it took me like three years of thinking about it before I did it. And once I did it, it was like night and day. I mean, we started getting results and notoriety. It was a simple thing like that. These color postcards that I'm telling you about, I learned them from Albert two years ago, maybe three years ago. And, of course, in my market, it was something I was going to do. But even when the market was starting to heat up and I was thinking about it, I still didn't do it. And now that I've implemented it, it's working like a charm. You know, it worked in another marketplace. It'll work in yours. Excellent advice. Nate, I've come to the end of the questions I have prepared for today. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we break? You know, by listening to interviews of, of top professionals, uh, like the ones that you do, with some of the best real estate minds, take their ideas and, and, and you know, set, set a plan to implement as many of them that you can, and then monitor them just to make sure that you are getting the results. And probably the biggest thing is if you're doing any type of direct marketing or any type of marketing, don't quit before it starts to work. I think the biggest mistakes agents do is they do it for two or three months and say, oh, it's not working, and they quit. Sometimes it takes three, four, five, six months, or even a year of direct mail for you to really get the marketing results that you're looking for. Well, Nate, persistence does pay off. You've led a storied career and been able to change with the times. Selling 34 homes your first year as a part-time agent. Selling 300 traditional homes year after year. Selling 616 REO homes in a single year when your market collapsed. And now, transitioning back into traditional sales. Your willingness to take on new ideas and implement them has fostered a super successful career. Now you're teaching your children the real estate lessons you've learned. I predict a bright future. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 410 homes last year. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. 
Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.